0: This is Theology Refresh, podcast for pastors. I'm David Mathis, joined here by Dr. Russell Moore from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, and our topic on this edition is the person of Christ. Dr. Moore, would you lead us to some key concepts or texts where your mind goes on the doctrine of the person of Christ?
1: Well, the the text that I go to immediately when I'm thinking about the person of the Lord Jesus is Hebrews chapter 2, which I think is one of the most uh, significant uh, chapters in the entire Bible in which the writer of Hebrews talks about the fact that all of us outside of Christ are held captive through through fear of death, he says, to the one who has the power over death who is the devil. And then he, he goes on to say that because we were flesh and blood that uh, our Lord took on flesh and blood for us and with us uh, in order to break the power of the devil. And and it's because of that, the writer of Hebrews says, that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I think is just one of the most radical Mm -hmm. and amazing texts in the entire Scripture when you think about the fact that Jesus Christ, exalted Lord, is not ashamed to call us Mm -hmm. his brothers. That's amazing.
0: Amen. And uh, Hebrews 2 says... Uh, that it is not angels that mm-hmm. he saves. In taking on human flesh, he becomes man that he might save man.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that for a lot of people, it's the most difficult thing to get about the Lord Jesus, especially among Evangelical Christians, most of us understand the deity of Jesus because we pray to Jesus and we sing to Jesus. We we understand the majesty, something, as much as human beings can. Mm -hmm. Majesty of Jesus as our Lord and as our God. But sometimes I think we have this very two-dimensional Uh, idea of the humanity of our our Lord we just imagine that everyone in the marketplace with him would have been saying well here comes the Lord Jesus Christ with a shaft of light shining down on his face and and, uh, speaking all of these divine pronouncements all the time that's not the way he was perceived he was a real and genuine man and is a real and genuine man and that's sometimes difficult for people to understand.
0: Mm. Dr. Moore when you think of the the subject of the person of christ is there a, a memorable phrase you have that brings together his person uh... And with his divinity and his humanity
1: well i think the early uh, church councils gave us what they, they call the four fences. And when you think about those, those councils, a lot of times Christians think of this as something very, very deep and, and difficult to understand. And there's a lot of deep truths that were articulated by those, uh, those councils early in the history of the church. But really what they're doing is guarding us from error and saying, when you look at what the Scripture's teaching about Jesus, here are the ditches that you can go off into that are, that are going to get you into error. And so the consensus of the church Coming out of the Scripture is that our Lord Jesus is fully God, fully man, one person, two natures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reason that's so important is to affirm our Lord Jesus is God. Everything that it means to say God is true of God the Son. Also, He's human. He couldn't save us if He weren't our brother. If He didn't share with us our nature and and everything that that means to be human is true of Jesus. So we. Was really hungry. He was really thirsty. He uh, he he lives as everything it means to be a human being, and then that he's one person. We're we're not talking about uh, we're not talking about a a God Jesus and a human Jesus schizophrenically existing together. He's one subject that we're referring to, and he's two natures. And the reason that that's important is because when you're looking at Jesus, sometimes you might see something that is true in Jesus and assume well. Jesus was hungry, therefore God is hungry. Or Jesus died, therefore God can die. No, no, that's the humanity of, of Jesus. Uh, and so that's why that's important uh, to differentiate between those two natures.
0: Another important theological word that we would put in this doctrine of Christ is the, the word incarnation. Mm-hmm. Would you explain that concept to us?
1: Well, incarnation, you think about that, uh, the word uh, carnival or the word carnivore dealing with flesh and, and meat. Uh, our Lord Jesus takes on flesh. And by that, we don't just mean that He takes on the physical substance of our skin. So it's not God pretending to be with us in Jesus. He takes on the flesh, meaning flesh and blood, the way the Bible uses that those words. It means what it means to be human. He, he is human with us. So Jesus... If you'll notice in Scripture, Jesus goes through every phase of human existence for us. He is what we call today an embryo. He is a, an unborn baby. He is a, an infant. He is a toddler. He is a 12-year-old boy coming into maturity, adolescent, and he's, a, he's an adult. He moves through maturity just, just like any other man. And he he bears all of that with us and for us, which also means, Scripture says, he goes through temptation as a man. He struggles against Satan as a man. And uh, so it's real temptation that our Lord Jesus comes up against with us and for us.
0: It's amazing to think that the Son of God in human flesh lived on the earth 3 decades before mm-hmm. having a public ministry and being seen as a teacher and this wonderful spiritual leader yeah. but an amazing sanctifying of our everyday and sometimes seem, seemingly meaning, menial lives. Yeah,
1: I mean when you think about the Lord Jesus not only did he have this this time in which he was not in public ministry but he was serving as a a working class day mm-hmm. laborer in a in a completely out of the way place. Uh, so much so that that Nathaniel in in the beginning chapters of John is able to say, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth? This this is not a place that you would think a future world emperor <laughs> would come from."
0: That's right. Okay. Well, Doctor Moore, uh, connect for us this doctrine of Christ to some of the the practical everyday needs for ourselves as pastors and for our people in the church. Why does this doctrine matter? And it's not just a a theoretical and hypothetical philosophical thing, but it matters Mm -hmm. in the everyday life of the church.
1: Well, one way is prayer. Uh, As evangelical Christians, we know that we ought to pray in Jesus' name. But I think a lot of Christians assume that that's kind of a, a magical incantation in order to get god's attention in jesus name when in reality what jesus tells us is if you ask the father anything in my name he will hear you and why because jesus is the only human being who has the right to approach god the psalms say who can come before god the one who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not sworn falsely or sacrificed to idols well jesus is the only human being who meets those criteria and so when we're praying we're not coming before god on our own we have our human older brother who is standing before us with his own standing before the father with his own blood speaking through as the book of hebrews says through the veil of his bloody flesh uh, before the father so we're actually praying with jesus uh, that's, that's the other thing that the Scripture makes clear is that the Spirit that's been poured out upon us, the Spirit of the Son, causes us to cry out, Abba, Father, which of course is exactly what Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We pray along with Jesus, which is why the Apostle Paul can say in Romans chapter 8, we groan, and sometimes we have utterances that are too deep for words. Well, of course, so did our Lord Jesus. Uh, he, he, with loud cries and tears, he calls out to the one who is able to save him from death, Hebrews chapter five, and he is heard. So when we're praying, we're represented by our human brother, our Lord Jesus, and by his spirit, we actually pray along with him. And then also, I think, in worship, uh, what what scripture drives us toward is worship that is directed through the Lord Jesus. Uh, so we have to understand How it is that we are worshiping and the fact that we are gathering Revelation chapter 5 around that throne of Jesus who purchased us with his own blood, that happens every time that we come together in worship. And so part of what we ought to be struck with in amazement is the fact that God in the gospel has joined himself with us as humanity forever. As long as Jesus is human, and that is forever uh, God is identified with us uh, as human beings. Sometimes people will say to me, uh, Jesus was Jewish. And my response to that is, no, Jesus is Jewish. Uh, Jesus is, is continually a human being with uh, fingernails and eyelashes and, and uh, everything that it means to be human. And we ought to be struck with the mystery of that and the amazement of that in worship every bit as much as Mary, our Lord's mother, was when the angel tells her at the very beginning, this is going to happen. And Mary, what does she immediately do? She sings. Uh, She sings out in in worship and adoration of God. We ought to be prompted toward that worship as well when we think of these things.
0: And this doctrine of the person of Christ being fully God and fully man in one person, two natures, is not unrelated to Jesus being tempted. Right His so called impeccability Would you explain to us what is meant by that and maybe connect it to a recent book you have?
1: Well, sometimes when, when people use that word impeccability, what they 're asking is, could Jesus have sinned? Uh, and my response to that is, well, it depends on what you mean by could. so in, in other words, sometimes people think, well, Jesus really wasn't being tempted because he could not have sinned. So it's it's almost like Superman walking through uh, heavy traffic. You know, he may pretend to get out of the way, but he's really not all that worried about it because the cars, if they run into him, they're the ones who are gonna have the problem. That's not the way our Lord Jesus experienced temptation. He was genuinely hungry. Uh, He genuinely uh, wanted to be publicly vindicated. Uh, Throw yourself off of this temple. The whole world see that God affirms you and God protects you. He really wanted, all the kingdoms of the world. That's for that purpose that he came. And ultimately, that's what happens. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ in the book of Revelation. But Jesus did not have a nature that could have sinned because he is God. So it's its kind of like the question in, in which someone might be asked, could you murder the person that, that is most loved by you? Um, you're probably going to say no i could never do that what you mean is not i physically couldn't do it what you mean is i would never want to do that it's outside of my nature jesus would not have sinned because he is holy god uh, as well as a human being but he's being really and genuinely tempted toward good things which of course is how satan tempts all of us is with good things that he just twists a little bit. And, and Satan says to Jesus, just take it on your own. Grasp that bread. Grasp that protection. Grasp that kingdom apart from God's provision. And to that, Jesus says no.
0: The, uh, the recent book you have that is on temptation is called Tempted and Tried, Temptations and the Triumph of Christ. Would there be any parting word you'd have for pastors as we conclude this podcast?
1: well i would just tell them to to meditate on the fact that our lord jesus is is with us and is truly human and think about those those passages in scripture in which for instance our lord jesus is tired he withdraws from the crowds uh sometimes in ministry when you have a thousand people uh wanting it seems wanting to come in and talk to you and you have people who are criticizing you and you have all of these burdens and pressures Our Lord Jesus, scripture says, because of the the crowds coming around him, would often withdraw out by himself. Uh, If that's the Lord Jesus in his humanity, how much more so for those of us who are are seeking to carry out his ministry? And so to to see the fact that that Jesus really does shoulder with us everything that it means to be human ought to drive us to a kind of humility. We understand our, our limits and also ought to drive us with a sense of, this is just amazing.
0: Would you pray for our listeners? I certainly will.
1: Father, I'd like to pray right now for everyone who's listening to this broadcast. Father, I thank you that you've given to us a priest. You've given to us a brother. You've given to us our Lord Jesus who stands before you right now. And Father, I pray that you would protect every listener right now from the evil one. I pray that you would give a sense of power and a sense of encouragement that they might sense the spirit of our Lord Jesus working mightily through them. And, Father, we pray that you would direct our will to line up with the will of our Lord Jesus as he prays before you even now. And we ask this in his name. Amen.